Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 46 of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Today we have a special guest. We are following on from last episode about markers. So if you haven't listened to episode 45... Go back and listen to that one first because it's going to explain a lot more about what we're talking about now. And I would like to introduce you to the absolutely wonderful Jack Fenton. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. I think it's really, really interesting. Yeah. So how are you, my dear? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. So Jack has dabbled in a little bit of hoopers. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack's wonderful better half, Jodie, is soon to become a Hooper's World instructor, but I invited Jack on today because I wanted to talk about markers and different ways of using them. So we're going to discuss what I call unique reward markers. Jack, how do you refer to them as? So I refer to them as arousal specific markers, uh, purely on, yeah, basically the same thing, just different (laughs) ways of saying it. Yeah. So what that means is we both use different markers for different rewards Mm -hmm. and for me when I first started training and I'm sure Jack will be the same it was a case of you had a clicker and if the dog did something good you clicked and you reinforced them regardless of what the reinforcement was and if you didn't have a clicker you used your magic marker word which might be a yes or a good and then you would reinforce the dog with whatever reinforcement you had at hand Today, we want to talk about getting a little bit geeky with it and using different markers for different rewards. And Jack has just done a really cool series in his Facebook group about this, which is why I invited him on board, because I had a sneaky suspicion that he may be able to explain this a little bit more eloquently than I do. So Jack, can you explain to us a little bit more about the kind of idea of arousal specific markers? Sure I can. So an arousal specific marker is basically a way of letting our dog know they've done something correctly, but also how the reinforcement is going to be delivered. And ideally what we're looking for is to control their different levels of arousal states. Because dog training at the end of the day is about clarity. Now, one of the things that I always noticed uh, with my dogs is that when I was doing uh, training with them, I would like to sometimes vary Uh, how I would deliver rewards. But what I found is that was getting me a little bit stuck because I was using the same marker word or a clicker and my dogs were beginning to get a little bit frustrated. They weren't entirely sure how I was going to be delivering this reward. And sometimes... Uh, before I knew a lot more about training, I would do something. So let's say I'm trying to teach a, you know, settle on a mat, for example, and I might throw a treat away. Well, in actuality, what was happening is the dog was coming off, launching off this settle mat to go and eat the food and then going back. But that dog was then in a level of high arousal. Conversely, when I used to uh, do recall stuff, when I was assistance dogs, we were taught that the dog had to come back and sit and then we'd mark and we'd feed them. And while that is effective for some dogs, uh, a lot of the dogs I work with now, especially gun dogs, that's really, really boring. So what (laughs) arousal-specific markers allow myself and my students to do is give complete clarity to the dog to understand exactly how the reward is going to be delivered. Mm -hmm. And we use that in order to let them know that, hey, you know what, you're going to come back for a recall. 
your food is going to be your toy food, whatever is going to be thrown. So they get even more excited. They are aware of what's going to happen. And they're more likely to come back. Conversely, if I'm doing some behavior modification, depending on the reason I'm doing that, I might want the dog to be more calm, more chilled out and more relaxed. So I might just scatter the food on the floor. And if they know that's going to happen, that level of clarity, especially for anxious dogs, is really, really useful. Mm -hmm. So with, um, with Dodge, the um, unruly teenage shepherd that <laughs> resides in our household at the moment, um, I've been messing around with this quite a lot because... With the girls, my girls have a very good work ethic. And as much as there probably was um, elements of arousal, they kind of understood what job we were doing and mm -hmm. reinforcement for them. They, they weren't frustrated by either going straight to them or being on the floor or whatever. But what I've been doing with Dodge is I've kind of got a few different cues. And I actually didn't realize, but the girls I had added in some unique reward markers or arousal specific markers without realizing so when i'm sprinkling food i use the cue uh use the marker sprinkles which means mm -hmm. you're going to search for the food now i actually used to use that a lot with um if there were runners in the park we used to when i sure. used to dog walk we'd get um runners coming past so i just used to go guys sprinkles and they all used to look at me with the guys then sprinkles meant sniff on the floor there's going to be lots of rewards but then you kind of, if the dog's then thinking that that marker means, right, we're going to keep searching for lots of treats, you then really need a marker that is going to mean there is one treat on the floor, pick it up, or there is one toy on the floor, pick it up, and then come back to me and we carry on the game. So I've been using um, Chase for Dodge if I'm going to be throwing a toy or a piece of food sprinkles is there's going to be stuff for you to snuffle so we use sprinkles quite a lot when dogs are appearing out on walks and he checks in with me and i go oh, sprinkles so that's his marker for checking in rather than shouting <laughs> <laughs> and then the sprinkles helps lower the arousal and get him thinking about finding food on the floor rather than eyeballing the dog on the other side of the road because teenage shepherd <laughs> joys of yeah so um the other thing I like to do with him is um, having a, we have a word marker, which is yes, which means it's going to be food. And I also use a clicker and the clicker is, I want you to stay in the exact position you are in. And then I will reinforce you to your mouth. So yes is food. Generally it does go to him. Um, I think it's Hannah Brannigan I've stolen this from, room service. So yes is room service, the food goes to your mouth. Click is I need you to remain in that position, I'm going to feed you. So we do that with trick stuff and also his physio stuff. So when I need him to remain in a position, I use the clicker because that's the only time I've used the clicker with him. So that marker is very much stay still, food goes in the mouth and then get it is his favorite one because that means we're going to play tuggy and to dodge that's like the ultimate marker so do you use similar with your guys or different or how do you use them with yours 
I, I use them very similarly. I, I think for me, the way that I tend to use them is I, I use it as a way of delivering food mostly because a lot of my dogs aren't very toy motivated. Um, but I also use it not necessarily as a way to deliver food, but also where food is going to appear. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite ones that I quite like to teach is tub, which just means because I, I, I'm of the opinion that a lot of issues with training could be solved if dogs are able to just work around food out in the environment. Yeah. So what I like to train my dogs to do is we, we you know, we start with a closed tub and tub just means we'll head over to this this area where the tub is and you will be fed from that area mm-hmm. and that's a really really useful uh, tool for my dogs and for myself because it one it teaches them to work around me without food which for various dog sports is really yep. useful um so you know I use uh, I do a lot of nose work stuff so I do a lot of scent work yep and you're not allowed to take treats uh, into the, the scent area while they're working. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to work without food off, off my body and teach the dogs, you know, we will go back and we will get something uh, eventually. I think another really good one for hoopers and for agility uh, is teaching the dogs to drive towards an open source or a dead toy or something like that yeah. so that the dogs are able to work around that. So that, that's another way I use them. But no, I think you're right. And I think that clarity in training as i mentioned earlier is so so valuable and for dodge you know to know that sprinkles was it where you know that means you know you check in with me and you get food i think having that level of clarity and that level of almost repetition so that even Mm -hmm. things in the environment mean we're going to be using a specific marker can also be a wonderful pattern and a little bit of predictability for anxious dogs Um, and i think as well that it seems to me when I was first doing training, and I don't know how you feel about this, Carrie, that I thought when I first heard about them, I was like, this is just really like, why? Like, why does it matter? Why do we need to have these different ways of doing things? But in actuality, it's amazing having enough tools in the toolkit to be able to, with just say a single piece of food, to be able to deliver that and tell our dogs, you know, it's going to be delivered in this way, whether it's, you know, room service and bringing it back to them, or the treat's going to be thrown or just dropped on the floor you know, is, is absolutely amazing. And I think that having that level of clarity leads to better training and cleaner training. Yeah. So with, um, with the tiny dog, um, little Miss Minx, I used a treat and train a lot with her when we first started Hoopers because she was such a little Velcro dog. She was used to being so close to me that to get her to go even three meters ahead of me was such a big ask. And I started off, um, she wasn't overly sure about the bu- about the beep noise. So I would just mark her as I pressed the button and then the whir would happen. What I actually found was the whir noise of the treat and train. So just to explain if um, you're listening and aren't familiar with this, a treat and train is basically a automatic food dispenser that you push a button and it turns a disc and the disc drops a treat into a bowl at the bottom um it also has a really good timer setting so when you're teaching dogs to stay you can actually set it to like do a certain amount of treats in a certain amount of time so you can be reinforcing the dog for just being in one place without having to approach the dog or go near so i know you said you used it with um hamilton for helping him in the crate with being away from you guys because he found that quite stressful um so actually your tub game is kind of the homemade version of a treat and train, really. Absolutely. Um, it works on the same principle. But what I found with Minx was actually the whir was her marker. Yeah. I didn't have to say anything. The second she heard that whir noise, she would do the length of a field to get to that treat and train because she knew what it meant. Mm. 
So that was my kind of first sort of light bulb moment, if you like, when I first heard about using different markers. I suddenly went, oh, hang on a minute. That's her marker. So what, what I think is really interesting there, and this is going down a really deep rabbit hole, but mm-hmm. what, uh, the first time I actually heard, I didn't hear the term arousal specific markers, but the first time I heard of the concept of something other than, you know, yes, or a clicker being used mm-hmm. as a marker was a lady called uh, Sarah Owings, who's a really, really fantastic trainer. And she teaches a game uh, about food delivery. And the concept of the game is that you teach a dog a default position. So the dog is in a stand in front of you to wait to be, you know, given a cue. But what she does is she has her hand outstretched in a fist Mm -hmm. and then lowers it. And as she lowers it, she flicks the wrist. So it's her palm facing upwards, opens the hand and gives it to her. And during her course, she does a wonderful course called um, Control is an Illusion. Um, an online course. Great um, title. It's good, isn't it? It's lovely uh, and very, very true. Um, in that the wrist flick was the marker. And yeah. that's really, really interesting. And another thing, you know, going off that in terms of physical cues is that I, one of the things that I always try and do with uh, something like chase or we could, so my version of chase is finding a treat. Um, mm-hmm is I ensure that I move my body in a very specific way to add more clarity. So chase for my dogs always means that it's so if they're doing a recall and they're coming back towards me, I'm going to turn my body and my shoulder around and skim the treat across the grass behind me. So the dog knows that, okay, it's not only going to be delivered by it being thrown, it's going to be delivered behind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, I think that it's such a rabbit hole, really. Yeah. Of, you know, everything could be a marker. You know, your point about the treat and train noise being a marker. Noises mm-hmm. can absolutely be a marker. Yep. Um, you know, a flashing light could be a marker. Yep. Um, I know that there are certain uh, police dog organisations. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to misquote, but I want to say it's mm. the Scandinavian Working Dog Institute. Okay who use a laser pen, like a red laser pen as a marker. Okay. Um, and I can't remember what for. So I think that, you know, it, it's so interesting, isn't it? How well, and with deaf dog training, quite often they use either, as you say, a torch or a thumbs up. Sure, exactly. And the thumbs up's their marker. You know, and um, I think, I, I think it's so fascinating that, you know, we, in a way, we look at something as a marker, like a yes or a click. Mm-hmm. And that is just scratching the surface. I suppose that's the same oh, with all dog training, isn't it? Just scratching the surface. And we like to go really in depth with everything else about dog training, you know, uh, neuroscience and physiology and mm-hmm. arousal and all this stuff. But we don't actually look at the basic mechanics of how yeah. do we deliver reinforcement? Where is reinforcement going to come from? And what lets the dog know that they're going to be getting that level of reinforcement? And I think it's, it's my favorite rabbit hole. I'm obsessed with them, as you could probably tell. Yeah, they're no, really which is why I wanted to talk to you about it. Because like, think even just now, like thinking about it with Dodge, because his most favorite thing in the world is toy. Um, he's got what we call his treasure, which is um, a ball on a leather strap that the, uh, the fabulous Lisa Jordan gave him. Um, and that is his treasure. And then at the moment, he's got a tuggy, uh, a fleece tuggy that he really likes. He's got a mock tuggy. He's actually quite fussy about what toys. He doesn't like the furry toys, like the furry tugs. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. he doesn't like them at all. No, they taste weird. He's oh, really? Animal. Yeah, he doesn't like them. It's That's really short, interesting. You give him, which is why um, I remember when you were starting to do some play stuff with Hamilton, your shepherd. I was like, try a few different toys because mm. texture is a massive thing for the dogs as well. Sure. And actually, um, 
if my brain had the capacity for it, and it's only because I know my brain will let me down, I would actually like to mess around a little bit on the toy that is actually going to be given having yep. a different name mm -hmm. as well as just get it. So my get it is very general at the moment of chase means you're going to run and I'm going to throw the toy ahead of you. Get it. I use for a dead toy on the floor mm. sure. ahead of him or a toy that I'm going to interact with him because for him, get it. If I'm attached, it means he just gets to play tuggy and that's awesome. Um, but I think thinking about how it does affect the arousal of the dogs, if we look at the example of him training hoopers, I want to keep him really high and kind of drivey. But if we're practicing start line weights, I only use the toy when he does one that is amazing. The rest of the time it's room service because I'm trying to reinforce that stationary position. And also for him, I believe, because obviously this cannot be confirmed because he cannot tell me, but I believe that he finds running through the hoops reinforcing in itself. So if he does a good weight and gets released, he gets reinforced running through the hoops and then reinforcement for running through the hoops as well. So it's kind of ultimate reinforcement. But when I'm trying to teach a steady behavior like a weight, I need to use food that for him is a lot lower arousal. In the example of out and about on walks I was taking a toy out as kind of an emergency because we went for a little period of him being extremely shouty at other dogs and obviously when you have a toy in your mouth it's hard to bark <laughs> but the downside of it is the toy increases the arousal so I actually needed him to be calmer to go oh there's a dog okay I'll check in with mum rather than there's a dog I need to shout and by using the toy, I'm not sure whether that was increasing the arousal. So that's where I kind of brought that sprinkles marker in. Because actually him being able to search and do a little bit of nose work, he finds nose work a lot more calming than toy tuggy crazy play. And, I, you know, I think that using... So some people call them reward-specific markers, which I think mm -hmm. is really good as well. Uh, one of the things that we teach our, our, our life skill students is we teach them, we do a little exercise where we use the food that they've brought to train mm -hmm. recall. And we see how good that recall is. And then we get out some kind of wet meat and we do the same thing. And what all the students find is that 99% of them uh, find that the dog comes back far quicker, right? Because the reward's more interesting. Mm -hmm. The issue then is, is they won't leave them alone to do the training. So what I think is really, really important and something you guys can absolutely do with your dogs is having using arousal specific markers that mean you're going to get a specific reward like you're talking about dabbling in can be really, really useful. Mm -hmm. uh, one way that I, I've seen people use it, and I, I, I don't use it this way, but one way I think is really interesting and I want to experiment with is that people have two different recall cues. Have you, have you seen this? Okay. So, so people will have a, a general recall cue. So mm -hmm. that's a come, right? And, and that can be reinforced with, uh, you know, something the dog enjoys quite a lot, but doesn't make them go, you know, mental. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know, cheese, you know, whatever that might be for your dog. But then they have another recall cue. And that recall cue um, is more or less a marker that means they're going to get the highest value thing in their life yes, it's the best yes, thing of all time i do this actually but I, I don't know if you do this as well yeah. they don't they only use it in emergencies yes so they don't do it day to day 
Um, and I think that's a really interesting way because I think having a almost a backup complete failsafe cue or, you know, marker, excuse me, that you know full well is always going to work in that moment in time where, you know, the chips are down and <laughs> Dodge is rushing off to go find someone to play with. And you're like, oh my goodness, to have that level of that predictability for you, yeah. I think can be really, really valuable. But it's cool that you use that because it's not something I've really dabbled in yet. Yeah, so I used to use it quite a lot with... Um munch our staffy lab girl because she has got a very high prey drive and where we used to walk there were quite a lot of deer and stuff so i have my general recall and then i have my oh my god there's deer i'm going to reinforce you so blooming well right now it's going to be amazing and for her it was um either a tuggy or literally my treat pouch would become a nose bag and she would get all the treats um and there were a few times I had to do it, but with Dodge, I kind of wanted to do it as I started training it in view of a sports recall and then a general recall. But the the training route I'm going down with him now, I'm not, I may need a kind of sports recall, but it's something that is heavily, heavily reinforced, but only actually used in the real world very, very sporadically, or as you say, in an emergency. And um, so... Dodge cum is our normal recall. Um, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me now because I'm going to show my geek side. Um, Axio is our proper recall. So any Harry Potter fans out there are going to know that that is the summoning charm. So if I need him back with me now, I use my summoning charm and my shepherd of Amazing. That's very nerdy, Carrie. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, one, one thing I will say as well, because I think we've talked a lot about, you know, what arousal specific markers are or unique reward markers, um, is that, you know, how do you start training them? How do you start building them into kind of your repertoire? And I want to tell a story. Uh, so I, I, I have a golden retriever called Rafi, who's a lovely boy. Um, and I thought when I first heard about arousal specific markers, I was like, cool, you know what? I'm going to teach him because we were doing a bit of agility, a bit of hoopers with him. And I said, cool, I'll teach him to drive towards a snuffle mat, right? Because I thought he's a dog that if there's a toy in the environment, his arousal level shoots up and that's just mm -hmm. going to affect what I'm trying to do with the game. So I thought snuffle mat, brilliant. So what we, what we started to do is I took him to our, our venue with the big agility field. And uh, he has a, he's got a reinforcement history um, way back before I started working with him where any toy in the environment meant that he was going to go ahead and he was going to uh, be able to run off with it and have a play with it. And he, he used to not bring them back either, but we're getting on top of that. Um, so what happened is I tried to teach that, that marker there in that environment. So I had the snuffle mat down and I go and throw food down. And we were just doing some basic exercises and it was going really well. And I was like, you know what, let's try it with like over, I want to say it was hoopers actually. So let's try sending him through some hoops and it, you know, we'll go and do it. And I'll never forget it. He ran through the hoops. There was food already in there. He ran in the hoops. He ate the treat. And I'm sure you get this with Dodge. I don't normally get this with Rafi, to be honest with you. I've never used to get this, but there's this moment in time where he just turned and he looked at me <laughs> and I went, I'm used to this with Kevin, my French bulldog, but he looked at me and there was just something in his eye. And I was like, what are you doing? And he leant over, he picked the snuffle mat up in his mouth. He turned to look at me again. 
the only word I can use is gallivanted. He <laughs> gallivanted around the agility area, throwing this snuffle mat up and around in the air. And I was like, this is not what this is meant to be useful. This is not the marker I need. Um, so don't be like me. When you're beginning to start training arousal specific markers, I would recommend doing it somewhere quiet in the home, somewhere where your dog does not have a prior reinforcement history for running off with anything that remotely looks like a toy. And just ensure that you're... because the technical term is full feral. <laughs> See, I, would, I couldn't... Hamilton and Kevin. Full feral. Full feral. Full feral. Yes. Um, so to avoid your dog going full feral, I would practice uh, just teaching the arousal specific marker as a marker first. So uh, obviously there's a concept of charging a clicker or charging a yeah. marker word, isn't there? Um, which, you know, I've seen some debates saying you don't need to do that with, with a clicker anymore, you know, whatever. Um, but for this, because we're delivering reward, a reward in a really specific way, I always like to do it so my dog understands the difference. Yep. So if I'm using chase, we just practice chase throw food and eventually you can see in their body language so my french bulldog kevin now will um when i say that if we do normally it's for recall we're doing that yeah. so if he's coming back he'll stay a little bit further out he won't come all the way in mm -hmm. and because he stayed a little bit further out i'll throw the food and he'll go and he'll get it so he's mm -hmm. preempting what i'm gonna do yeah. And then in order to make sure that we properly understand the game once we've done this, I'll add in a behavior. So usually it's a recall if I'm doing chase, but let's say I'm doing, I don't know, maybe I'm doing some physio exercises with him. I might say scatter, which just means throwing a, some food by my feet for him to snuffle for. Yep. Um, so I'll, I might ask him for a chin rest. Does the chin rest scatter? And we do that. And then I make sure that we can do two markers in the same session so yep. most people have a yes or a clicker means you know go and give food to the dog or the dog comes to you for food we'll mm -hmm. do that a few times then i'll switch over to another marker and just see if the body language shifts yep. and if the body language shifts then they've got it and eventually you know you were telling me a really cool story about dodge earlier where you know he was able to work with the toy and food out in the environment he, at the uh, same time that stay actually miraculously which the that's that's another really big use of it which we kind of touched on as well i think in that you know the ability to work around distractions mm -hmm. and use them as reinforcers is incredible i mean something that i think is really really cool that actually um one of my students is doing which is something she thought of which i thought was amazing is that she has a specific marker mm -hmm. which means when you disengage from uh, another dog, a person, whatever, you go in, we go to the nearest bit, because she walks a lot in the woodlands, we go to the nearest bush in the woodlands, and you yep. go in there when you have a sniff. And what started happening is they'll say that marker, and the dog's on a long line, and the dog will go track, because he, he does tracking with us, track okay. over to that bush, and just hang out in there for a little bit. Nice. That's another, another cool one that I think is uh, useful for any gun dog uh, owners out there um i would absolutely love to put swimming on cue i think dodge. that would be so cool yeah yeah dodge loves his paddly pool so actually yeah i tell him get wet yeah there we go <laughs> so <laughs> and i think that's a, another really cool marker cue i think anything you know provided it's reinforcing yeah you can use anything as a marker um I, actually another example with my partner jody this is less about the reward, but we have a specific marker cue, or she has a specific marker cue for me, which means go to Jack 
which to Bramble when she's doing agility because she doesn't have any food on her means she's done her thing, she's yeah. finished, as opposed to reorientating to her, go to Jack because Jack's going to have the good stuff and she'll run over to me and I'll feed her and she'll go back. Okay, so, so hilariously in class, and it's a bit of an ongoing joke, but most of my clients' dogs understand, go to your mother. <laughs> when they've come over to me and maybe I've reinforced them, but at the moment, obviously with social distancing and whatever, I'm not... I'm trying not to be reinforcing the dog. I'm trying to get the dog to do stuff as much with their owners as possible, health and safety sure. risk assessment. Um, and it's amazing how many of the dogs, when they've come over to me for a fuss or whatever, I finish the fuss and I go, right, go to your mother. And obviously the fee the clients are female. Um, <laughs> and they just go back to the owner. And that has kind of become, I guess you could argue that that's become a marker of... Sure. Right, you've you've had attention with me. Now go to mum, and mum's yeah. going to give you attention as well. So sure. that's yeah. I hadn't actually thought of it like that. Yeah, but yeah sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I that's the joke. What I th I think, and you know, another thing that I'd be really interested in, uh, which I've not done at all. And I don't know if anyone else has. I'd be really interested to hear uh, a specific smell. Mm -hmm. going in to smell something and i know like oh some of my students have go sniff which is just go and sniff the environment not go find yeah. food but i think it would be really interesting to have a dog that was taught to go and sniff you know for example if there's a specific um because there's lots of different I, the, my net the, my brain isn't working properly today different that's types right. of um like lavender you know what i mean yeah, stuff yeah. that oh, smells nice calming calm stuff. And actually munch will rub through lavender bushes out on walks she that's loves really cool. lavender it's one that's of really her cool. favorites but something wherein, you know, you ask the dog to go and sniff, you know, uh, my brain's saying essential oil, that's not what I mean. But in short, a smell that can calm them down or relax them. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that would be quite interesting. And considering how powerful our dog's noses are, sure. that would definitely be, oh, maybe maybe that's one we will, we will put we'll have out a to a few, uh, a few people. I can think of a few well, people I'd like to ask that question to. And the thing is with that as well, uh, if you conditioned the smell, to mean good things as well and use that as a reinforcement. So I, I'm going back to, I do a lot of work, for those of you that don't know, I do a lot of work with uh, anxious and reactive dogs. That's kind yeah. of makes up 85, 90% of my clientele um, on my student base. And so for me, the one thing that I've not been able to experiment with is for example, conditioning the dogs to have a nice association with something like lavender, um, using that as a marker, but also using that as a way of reducing anxiety when they meet new people, new dogs, and having that on the person and having that be a thing. So that, that's yeah. another, I, you know, I think, I think the thing with markers is any of those strands we've talked about, you know, talking about working around, uh, you know, open food tubs or toys in the environment, yeah. talking about smells, talking about environmental markers, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Those are all rabbit holes that we could very heavily descend <laughs> and in and talk for about an hour and a half, two hours. Eight hours. This podcast is just eight like... hours of us just being like, oh my God. And we're just here like, and another marker could be they could go and find dust in the corner of your room. <laughs> so like, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just keep going and just keep running with oh it. My but... God. Right. So, Jack, I think on that note, let's. Stop the discussion. Let's wrap let's, it up. Let's draw a line, but I'm pretty sure we can do a future episode. Um, you do have a podcast. I do. I actually have three. Oh my I know. God, you're just greedy. I'm very greedy. I'm greedy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug them if that's all right. Yeah, I'm do gonna, it. I'm going to get it. sales mode. So uh, I have three podcasts. Uh, one is called the Just Dog Training Podcast, which is a more general dog training podcast for stuff like we cover recall loosely walking anxiety mm -hmm. reactivity but it's specifically geared for dog owners so mm -hmm. i try not to so case in point um within it i don't use terms like reinforcement 
So okay. my goal, it's a fun little challenge for me to sit here and I have to talk. I have to make it as layman as possible, which I think is yeah. fantastic and a really good, it's a wonderful exercise for me, but I, I've heard good things about that. I have another podcast called the Reactive Dog Training Podcast, which you have been on. I have. Um, I did that. You did. You did. Talking about hoopers. And that is a, it's a fortnightly now uh, podcast where I interview different people in the dog training industry, different mm -hmm. pet professionals. Uh, we just had uh, a few weeks ago, we had Dr. Susan Friedman on talking about labels and dog training, which was amazing. He's just showing off now. For those of y'all that know <laughs> who Dr. Friedman is, like, He's Honestly, showing off now. Right, what's on, podcast number three? On it, I will say, Carrie, apart from this, highlight of my career. <laughs> highlight of my career right there. Um, and the yeah, third one I do with... Highlight of your career, babe. Like, <laughs> raise the bar, darling. <laughs> <laughs> and the final podcast is uh, the Assistance Dog Education Project, which I do with my co-host, Chloe Fuller, where we talk about all things assistance dogs. So we're trying to create a, a an audio directory almost of different nice. questions that we've seen in the assistance dog community to hopefully help uh, future assistance dog handlers, current assistance dog handlers, parents of children who, who you know, want an assistance dog from there. There oh. we go. There's my spiel. So I'm assuming people can find if, well, if they're listening to this, they should be able to find your podcast the same place they're listening to this. I'm straight. Absolutely. Cool. Find us on all those platforms. And people can find you on Facebook. Um, what's the group page? Cool, cool, cool. So uh, I have uh, to to overcompensate again. I have two two Facebook pages. I've got oh Make Your Mark. Sorry, I'm sorry, Carrie. You asked. You said this before we recorded. You can plug your stuff. This is an extra ten minutes added on to the end. Sorry, um, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> so you can find me <laughs> and my business page with my partner Jody is Make Your Mark Dog Training and Behavior. You can cool. find my Facebook page at Jack Benton Make Your Mark. Uh, and the group that Carrie saw, the arousal specific markers, is called Dogs of Dorset by Make Your Mark Dog Training. You don't need to be in Dorset to join it, though. We welcome one and all. Oh, amazing. Awesome. Well, Jack, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Um, I'm glad we could kind of mull over this, as you say, rabbit hole of a subject yeah. because it's hard. When I said to you, we're going to aim for 20 minutes, I don't even know how long we've been talking for. Um, but hopefully everyone has enjoyed this episode. So guys, remember, until the next episode, be kind, stay safe, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock, and we will catch you next week. Take care, guys. Bye. For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes, and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook. Like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehoopersworld.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.